Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. On this episode, a columnist for the Korean Times discusses the post-pandemic world. It's definitely a psychological operation in the sense that it's going to be studied, how people react, how they behave. This is a global experiment. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. That's over 350 episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get Access to Premium Episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? 
Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. It was great fun hosting Coast to Coast AM this past Saturday. I hope you had a chance to listen. If not, I'll be back in the Coast to Coast air chair next Saturday, April the 25th. And as always, go to coasttocoastam.com for more information and to find an affiliate near you that carries the program. Adam Borowski is a very thoughtful writer who lives in Poland. He's written a number of articles for the Korean Times newspaper. Most recently, he wrote about how the world will change after the coronavirus. He's a 34-year-old journalist, international relations enthusiast, and a Polish-English teacher and translator with a passion for the unexplained, since he can remember. In 2016, Adam lived in Chengdu, for a few months where he promoted the Polish language and culture. Chengdu is a city around a thousand kilometers from Wuhan, the center of the coronavirus pandemic, although Adam has never visited. He's currently working on his alternate reality novel, Planetary Entrapment Syndrome. Adam Borowski, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Hi, Richard. Thank you. I'm great. How are things in Warsaw? Well, it's the lockdown here. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're supposed to be starting with masks tomorrow on the 16th of April. So it's probably going to be quite a freak show. But for now, it's, you know, it's the lockdown and everything is locked down pretty much. The same as all over the planet, right? It's the same situation here. Right. I read with interest your column in uh, the Korea Times. And mm-hmm. uh, you were writing about post-virus opportunities and what yes. the, the post-coronavirus society mm-hmm. is going to look like. So we're Correct. looking ahead, hopefully, in the next few weeks, if, if uh, the leaders of the world come to their senses and, and start loosening things up. And we'll talk about that, why they should do that maybe a little later. But uh, let's, let's look at what this post-coronavirus society is going to look like. And, and one of the things that you highlight is actually a, a favorite topic of mine, and that is this global struggle between collectivists and individualists. Uh, right. Just give me your 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 opening uh, thoughts on that. Right. Well, my understanding is that you know when we talk about individualists, let's start with the conspiracy angle, right? Many conspiracy groups think of themselves as individualistic. In my opinion, that's incorrect. They operate pretty much like cults. If you have a different opinion, let's say on 5G or something else or anything for that matter, you are labeled, you know, as a new, new world order agent, etc. And it's the same with Russian bots, right? In the mainstream version, we have this: uh, you don't like someone, you just label them a ra- Russian bot or perhaps even a psychopath, etc. So, in my opinion, when you consider, you know, collectivism and individualism, when you consider that uh, a real individualist is someone who considers, observes, draws conclusions. Uh, he doesn't or she doesn't uh, surrender to any sort of political ideology. And, and on the other side of the spectrum, we have collectivists, right? Someone who, they, they're not necessarily uh, in any way bad people. It's just they prefer, you know, authoritarianism, uh, being order, or ordered around, stuff like that. And actually, when you consider that, there is quite a, a lot of people like that. You know, we talk about freedom, that we like freedom, etc., but... Actually, in times of crisis, especially in times of crisis, it's pretty tricky. And I think we prefer 
most of us prefer this kind of um, approach where you have this kind of authority figure telling you what to do. And unfortunately, uh, you can see this right now, right? W what's happening around the planet. Right, because freedom is hard. It, it comes with responsibilities. It, yes. It's, it's risky. Freedom is risky. Yes. Uh, it requires a willingness uh, to, to, to sacrifice and sometimes die. Yeah, uh, and so you're right. I believe the vast majority of us uh, would will willingly cower in our homes uh, rather than uh, take on that burden, that hardship. Yeah, in Polish we have the saying, uh, loosely translates as um, "mediocre but loyal." Right. So someone who is mediocre but loyal, basically, that's the most important part for someone who has this collectivist mindset. Uh, you don't care if you're a collectivist person, you don't care about someone's achievements so much as their loyalty. And in many places around the planet, that's the prevalent mindset, right? Especially in communism. It's a very, very common prevalent mindset. That, that's how you think that you don't really look at someone as what they can do, what they can achieve. Instead, you try to understand if they're loyal, right? Try to gauge whether they are loyal or not. And that's that's the difference, basically. Right. right. In Canada, I have a saying, this is the only country where the milk rises to the top. Exactly, yeah. So, just exploring this idea a little further, because now this is really being tested. The, uh, the, um, the freedoms, uh, the civil liberties have gone out the window because of this bargain. People are being asked to choose between health and freedom. And yeah. and we're seeing this illustrated. People are choosing health. Is that going to carry on in the post-virus world? Uh, you know, I think it, it will to an extent that we will have this sort of learned helplessness, you know, where we just respond to stimuli. Because there are so many contradictory rules and regulations uh, that many people are just not going to be able to really understand what's going on. And in my opinion, yes, uh, many people will get stuck in this this mode of just compliance, right? That's what's what's going to happen. Not everyone, of course, but many will be in that, in that mode, and they will be the ones who prefer this collectivist approach, right? Because it's security or apparent security, uh, because that's the question: whether it's the real security or if it's just a mirage, right? An illusion. And in my opinion, it's an illusion. It's not really there, but uh, to many people, even this illusion. Right, it, that's enough. Right, that's what they need. This they need this illusion to hold on to something they can't understand, and make sense of the world. Right, that's that's the bottom line. Are you concerned uh, about things that we're hearing? Perhaps uh, uh, you know ma mandatory vaccines. For example, here in Canada, our mm -hmm. our prime minister uh, has said that we really can't get back to normal here until we have a vaccine, which it, it seems to uh, imply that the ma the vaccine would be mandatory, and of course we have uh, Bill Gates talking about yes, uh, the need yes. for national tracking, and and uh, uh, which would be developed by Microsoft. One would assume an app by Microsoft to track people. Mandatory right. vaccines. I mean, this is not just in the arena of conspiracy theory. Right. Well, yeah, it's tricky with vaccines. You know, I'd have to listen to various doctors and see what they think because, uh, you know, I, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't really determine, I can't really, you know, pass judgment whether it's uh, harmful or not. Um, what I do understand is that vaccines help your immune system. That's what they're supposed to do. They are not really a 
panacea. They, they help your immune system beat whatever it is they're supposed to beat, right? So they're not like, that, that's their job, right? That's the main job of vaccines. So if that's what this vaccine does or any other vaccine, that's okay. But if there are other issues, yes, then it should be addressed. But, you know, I think that we... Uh, try to understand things uh, unless we are professionals and unless we listen to various people from various uh, spectrums, right? From, from this this point of view and that point of view, I think it's really, uh, it, it's, it's a trap. We just don't know if we're, you know, we know what we're talking about or not. I think that's the bottom line. Uh, so with vaccines, I'm on the edge. I'm on the fence, rather. rather. I, I can't really tell you whether it's um, this or that. You know, I, I really I really don't know. It's, it's, it's a tricky topic, right? I, right I'd right. say the only, the only way here is to see what's going to happen uh, in the future, right, with this. Uh, uh, is it possible that they're going to use it to um, ID people and to track people? Well, I think they have the technology to do it right now, right, with smartphones, etc. What, what I'd be more concerned about is, for example, AI. And what can they, you know, th th that would be uh, my main concern here, uh, rather than vaccines, for example, because, uh, you know, influencing our minds, that's that's the, the bottom line, right? Right, here. right. You, you also write about, well, we've touched on uh, this a little bit, but I'd like to delve further into what you call the psychological consequences and how they're going to stay with us for years. So let's right. try, try to imagine, or how do you imagine, so for, for example, uh, the psychological consequences affecting social interaction into the future because we have uh, in the united states sort of the uh the the face of the coronavirus task force uh right. anthony fauci saying handshakes have to go uh, this is you know this is yeah. something that's been around for five thousand years exactly i'm, I'm going to give you a polish example it's pretty funny but in poland there's this custom uh, especially that uh, you know hand kissing especially for women right so i can't imagine this going on any further now because you know for obvious reasons so what i'm writing about what i write about is that is that black swan events right unforeseen events uh, they also impact our tiniest details of our lives not just the major ones so uh, so as you said uh handshakes uh hand kissing in this case etc it reshapes everything and that that's what wars do as well so in essence this is a kind of a war right it is a psychological operation you could say so it is kind of a war in, the, in that sense and for example um, let's say you have shortness of breath right you're you're somewhere in, a, in your in your house and you, you think well that must be this virus right so I gotta go to the hospital and then they tell you there what are you doing it's just you know it's you're making things up right so this is psychological as well regardless of the source of this virus, whether it's really there or not, that's, it's an experiment, you could say. More of my conversation with Adam Borowski when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history 
of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Did you know that bee pollen contains almost all of the nutrients required by the human body to thrive? Get your two-month supply of bee pollen from GetTheTea.com. Bee pollen is a super nutritious way to boost your energy levels. It's referred to as nature's most complete health food. It's a natural immune booster. Bee pollen may help boost brain function. It may aid occasional seasonal allergies. Bee pollen, Mother Nature's immune support from GetTheTea.com. A 60-day supply costs just $31. Bee pollen should be avoided by anyone with an allergy to honey or bees. The benefits of this product go way beyond what I've told you here. Do your research, order your bee pollen from GetTheTea.com and use the code word UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. Get your bee pollen from GetTheTea.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Writer Adam Borowski is here. You say that history is governed by three forces. You just mentioned one of them, Black Swan Events. What are the other two? Yeah. Psychopaths and geniuses, in my opinion. In my opinion, these are the forces that govern the interplay of these forces, of black swan events, psychopaths, and geniuses. And this determines our reality. And the masses basically adjust to whatever we have in life. And you see this with communism, for example, where everyone is supposed to be equal, but as we know, not everyone is. Some people are more equal than others. And every system, regardless of whether it's communism or anything else, has some sort of elite, because that's just the nature of the governing system, right? So that's, that's what happens. And, um, well, of course, geniuses can't be psychopaths. That doesn't, you know, one doesn't exclude the other. Some geniuses probably were psychopaths or are psychopaths. So that's the, because uh, some traits, some psychopathic traits, as, um, you, you know, ma- many people mention this, um, are beneficial. They're not necessarily detrimental to our progress, right? Charm, confidence, uh, a sort of wearing masks. We, we live in this society, you know, where we have these personas, these masks, and you know, job interviews, etc. It helps. Of course, that's a different story when you have a fully fledged psychopath who is, you know, it's it's nothing short of demonic. So it's a different story. But with some psychopathic traits, it doesn't have to be bad. It can be, use- be useful in some cases. 
just in you know, general interaction in society. Right, because I, I've always believed that the the world is, is sort of grooved or geared in favor of the psychopath. In in other words, th those yeah. tra those traits are rewarded. If you want to become, it doesn't matter whether it's the president of Poland or the head of the uh, the public the uh, the um, the PTA or or uh, exactly. the chief surgeon. You have to have psychopathic tendencies. You have to be willing. To sometimes, you know, certainly at a minimum, sacrifice other people's feelings, step over them, step on them if need be, to get to the top. That's what it takes. Absolutely. And when you have governments, what happens with governments? You need to govern populations somehow. And in my opinion, one of the best examples here, if, we can, if I can add this, is the First World War. There was the Order of the White Feather in the UK, where women were basically manipulated to, quote unquote, encourage men to go and fight. And you know they were they were men were given white feathers uh, if they weren't somewhere on the front lines. It was a very clever psychological operation, in my opinion. Whoever thought this, whoever had come up with this, uh, must have been a psychopath, because you know that's that's the level of operation. I just to give you an example, right? So that these are psychological operations, and they're really really good at this. Psychopaths are excellent at this stuff. And that, that's why it's so uh, so dangerous when you have this mindset around us, right? Right. It can be dangerous, but it also uh, it, it's it's very similar to people disparaging masculinity, and they call it toxic masculinity. Uh, but those people don't complain. Those same people don't complain. You know, when the Titanic goes down, that's when you want your toxic masculinity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's this double standard. And of course, in you know, a conscription, conscription draft, you could, you know, argue this is the same story, right? So yeah, um, actually, there was a story here a few days ago in Poland, there was this uh, MMA fighter, uh, a, a, a woman 22 years old, and, and she was stopped by the police, and she didn't want to show her ID. And they, they basically told her they, they you know, she was on the ground, and they told her, if you were a man, it wouldn't be looking so pretty right now, right? So in essence, that's the, um, in a nutshell, right? That's the, this mentality as you, that you mentioned. Yeah, but, but this toxic masculinity, um, I'd say there are cases where I would agree with this. For example, you know, when you have, uh, you know, someone driving really fast and then they cause a problem, problem right? You an accident somewhere in the middle of the road and everyone else has to wait just because this guy wanted to show off that, you know, he is so masculine. That's a really stupid example of this this masculinity, right? Right. There are better ways to express your masculinity, for example, than this, right? Just, just Right. Uh, that's also, that's also a product of the undeveloped adolescent mind. I mean, the, the brain does not exactly. totally uh, collate and, and, and form until you're 22, 23 years old, which I suppose you know, might be something to think about in terms of when we give people a license to drive. Now, I, you yeah. mentioned this this poor woman being tackled to the ground. In a, and um, uh, there was a case, I don't know if you saw it on, on YouTube, uh, this gentleman on a bus in Philadelphia uh, who, who wasn't uh, wearing a mask, and he was basically tackled and violently dragged and then thrown off the bus. And while I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, why don't they reach into their pocket and hand this man a mask and say, please put this on? Problem solved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Uh, in this country, you had uh, two or three days ago, there, there was a big plane from China, if I remember correctly. Uh, it arrived with masks. And so that's why they gave people about two or three days and, you know, the, it's going to start tomorrow. People are going to start wearing masks because uh, uh, that's the bottom line. 
if you say, you know, wear masks, then perhaps it would be better to, you know, pr provide some sort of mask or tell people, okay, if you can't wear a mask, then maybe a scarf, something like that. That's what happens. That's what's going to happen here anyway, that, that they, people can wear scarves or, you know, masks. It doesn't have to be, let's say, government approved, right? As long as, long as it covers your mouth. But it's absurd, of course, what you said. It's um, the U.S. is a special case, in my opinion. It's um, you know, it's 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 a developed country, but at the same time, not so not so developed, I'd say. Um, so it's very very tricky. You know, de depends where you are, really, right? So there are various factors to consider. Uh, but situations like this, like these, are you know, are, are happening everywhere, unfortunately. Right, so. because this is. I mean, they've done they've done experiments on this sociological, psychological experiments where mm. they they have children, for example, or even adults, right. uh, mm -hmm. and they divide the them into two groups. And one one group uh, are the prisoners, and the other group are the prison guards. Yeah. And after experiment, yes, and 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 you could probably explain it better than I. But this really illustrates, I think, what's going on. Yeah, you know, it, it, I was a teacher, I taught English for a while. So, yeah, of course, uh, for example, teachers have an enormous impact of, on their students. Uh, so this kind of mind molding, uh, it's happening all around us. And you just need to look uh, or sound someone like someone with authority. It all, it, that's all it takes sometimes, you know, to, to make people listen to you. It doesn't really take more than that in some cases. So um, with this experiment... Um, that's exactly what happened, right? They had to stop it, as far as I remember, because uh, the guards were getting too over—they were getting overzealous, right? Because for that reason, there was another experiment with electric shocks. Not sure if you heard about it. Yes, sure. it's, yes. Uh, it's the same story, right? Um, and for some reason, people just respond to this, and even when people say, "Well, no, I'm not like that." Well, unfortunately, it seems. Uh, many, if not most people, are like that. It just depends on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, right? And that's, well, that's a scary thought, you might say. Right, it's human nature. So yeah, just to further elaborate on that experiment, the, the group that were told, okay, pretend you're, you're prison guards, and this is an imaginary game. And even though it was imaginary, those people that were told to pretend they were prison guards actually started to act out and got very aggressive and violent and started hitting and abusing the the pretend prisoners yeah. very disturbing yeah because the sense of power was real i'd say right the sense of power was real even though it was made believe that it suddenly became real and this this boundary was gone and that's what happens and and that when it, when it does happen when it happens it's a huge problem especially if you're not on the right side that's <laughs> even worse right right like, and and again needless to say the vast majority of police officers and people in authority are are doing these things or, or are getting involved in these jobs for all the right reasons they want to help people we're certainly not yeah. painting everyone with the same brush but it only of takes a not. it takes a couple uh, a, a couple bad apples as they say can spoil the uh, the whole barrel um, at, at what point do you think uh, and because, quite frankly, I I think they're we're being led on. They're saying it'll just be two more weeks, and then after that two weeks elapses, they'll say, "Well, yeah, we're getting yeah. we're getting close. We just need a couple more weeks." And who knows what they right. have in mind? It it could be six months, eighteen months, in which in, in which case there will be mass pandemonium and chaos, and the economy will be absolutely, perhaps irreparably destroyed. But so, at what point yeah. do we start saying? All right, the cure is now officially worse than the disease. When do we start saying that? Well, that's an interesting point, actually, because right now I'm looking at this Polish site, and uh, 
they they want the government here wants to start easing restrictions uh, on the 19th April 19th well that's that's the bottom line right now but of course it can change the second phase of their plan is this that they want to isolate people or help people who are at risk and the elderly everyone else is supposed to work so at least officially, they are acknowledging here that, yes, the disease, the cure is getting worse than the disease, right? And uh, right now we have 7,582 cases and 382 today in Poland. So um, the situation is not that terrible. But just as you mentioned, the situation here, the government is saying, okay, we need to get back to work, right? The economy needs to restart because it's just, uh, we can't just freeze it forever. So... Let's see how it goes, right? They, they're supposed to start in about three days, very, very slowly, of course. That's, that's, that's the bottom line for now. But of course, it can change. Well, yeah, you live there. Um, but as an outsider, yeah. my perception is that, that Poland is ahead of the curve on so many things. And I would say in this, mm-hmm. in this regard as well. Um, so, I mean, right now I, I look at, we have two models. We have, mm-hmm. let's say, for example, what's happening in uh, the UK, uh, you know, total lockdown or Greece perhaps even even a better example because you can't leave the yeah. house even to go to the grocery store without informing the authorities mm-hmm. you have to text them um, right. so we have that model let's call it the Greek model total lockdown and then we have Sweden uh, which right. is kind of a kind of a laissez-faire a very soft approach it's yeah. like mm-hmm. you know social distancing yes but the bars are open the restaurants are open the schools are open and you know, we're not seeing a spike there. Uh, and I, I've always said somewhere, you know, maybe there's a happy middle approach. I don't know. But um, I just, I find the um, the approach here in, in the West, in Canada, I just find it ill-advised. Uh, and, and, and the fact that they are willing to destroy millions of lives uh, for... You know, they're not weighing the cost and the risk properly, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, about this coronavirus, you know, well, when did it start? When was the first, uh, you know, th- this doctor in China, right? He was the first person to warn about it. So my question would be to people, for example, who uh, say that this coronavirus, coronavirus isn't real. Well, okay. So what about this doctor? Was he in on it, for example, right? That would be my question. And the second question I would ask you know, there are so many doctors around the planet. They're not, they're smart people, I'd say, in general, right? So they can't all be fooled. So the question is, uh, what's going on here, right? Because there are doctors who say, well, no, this isn't real. It happens, right? But overwhelmingly, as far as I know, the doctors are not saying that. So so that's the tricky part. But whichever way you want to put this, uh, I'd say it's a psychological operation. Whether it's actually real or whether it's um, fake to an extent, it's definitely a psychological operation in the sense that it's going to be studied, how people react, how they behave. This is a global experiment in that sense, right? Regardless of the source. Uh, and of course, as you pointed out, Sweden has a different approach. I think there are other countries, but Sweden is the only one right now that comes to mind that have this kind of approach. And yeah, this herd immunity, right? UK was, uh, at first, the UK, as far as I know, uh, they wanted to have the same approach, herd immunity, but then they shifted to a more lockdown style, right? So it's a tricky situation. It's unprecedented. And um, there, you could say that there is some sort of psychopathic mindset behind it, definitely. The question is, uh, where is this mindset, right? Where is this uh, the mind behind it? Let's put it this way, if there is one. Right. Well, just for clarification, I mean, I believe that, that, that the outbreak is real, uh, and then we, you know, there's a whole other discussion as to the origin. Was it, 
made to happen? Did someone let it happen? Did someone look the other way and they were glad it happened? That's another discussion. It's here, it's real, but the question is, are policies in reaction being based upon what, what are being revealed as deeply flawed models? Uh, for example, a recent um, study came out of the University of Tel Aviv and the professor said this virus, if you, go, if you look at what's happening in Italy, Spain, Germany, the United States, all over, it's, it's the same. It, there's a, a very predictable cycle here. It peaks after six weeks and after eight weeks, it's rapidly, it rapidly declines. And, and he says that happens whether you use the Swedish model or the Greek model. And so instead of you know, looking at that data, we've invested, we've put all our eggs in the uh, Professor Ferguson basket um, out of the Imperial College, uh, you know, who had such chilling and dire predictions, doom and gloom predictions. This is the same gentleman who predicted Mad Cow would kill 155,000 people in the United Kingdom back in, what was that, 2001. To date, yeah. 177 people have died. So what I'm saying is, yes, the pandemic is, is real, uh, the same as flu is real, but it has been, you know, our, it, it's the fact that we are basing our pa policies on bad data. Exactly. So there are two paths here. Either it's incompetence or it's some sort of plan, in my opinion, right? There are two paths here, depending on how you look at it. There is a definite exaggeration. Even people in some governments are saying it. There are people in Polish government that are they're saying it. There are military uh, people here uh, in Poland that are saying it, that this is, you know, an exaggeration, that you don't have to take it that far. You don't have to close parks like here. You know, parks are closed. Uh, you can't go right now, etc. So there is a definite, uh, no, there, it seems like they don't know what they're doing on some level. It could be the first option or the second option. It's some sort of, you know, some sort of plan perhaps, but it's definitely disconcerting regardless, you know, no matter how you look at it. Definitely. You're right. It's, you know, given the choice between conspiracy and incompetence, you're right. The The answer is often, perhaps in the majority, it's incompetence uh, because we're talking about, uh, you know, government uh, officials and bureaucrats and so forth who, uh, what's the old expression, uh, couldn't organize a, uh, a farting contest at a baked bean <laughs> banquet. Uh, or they couldn't pour water out of a boot with directions on the heel. Uh, so yeah. it is often incompetence. Uh, let, let's get back to sort of the spirit of your column and, and what the, you, you talk about coronavirus opportunities, or at least that's the, uh, the, yeah. the, the headline. What, what do you think are the opportunities post-virus? Post well, every crisis allows people, especially geniuses or people with you know, high intelligence, to flourish, to, to shine. So because the crisis is the moment when it's sort of flux, right, when you can do things differently, when things are changing. And that's the moment. It's regardless of which crisis you're talking about. It's true throughout history. So I'd say that's, that's the, first, uh, the first important point, like unorthodox solutions that you can implement now, right? And, of course, uh, it's very tricky depending on where you are. But I'd say that's the main, that's the mindset, right? And then you can look at the details and say uh, which, which parts or what is uh, the direction you can take to make it happen. So I'd say that's, that's the bottom line, right? Where it's, a, it's a crisis, but it's an opportunity. It's, it's the same throughout history, basically. It's the, the same process. Uh, you, you, you talk about collectivism versus individualism. What about 
the the uh, the nation state versus the forces of globalism uh, some are suggesting that because of the disruption to supply chains because of uh you know the um uh, the cover up in in china uh, some are blaming the the Chinese Communist Party. They're calling it the uh, the, the CCP virus. Um, yeah. th- th- that that this is going to be you know uh, uh, there's going to be a sea change in in the the global order, and it may mean the death of globalism and the re the the, the rebirth of the nation state. Might even be the end of the EU. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well. Again, if you look at the Polish example, there's definitely, you can see it, right? There's the German border, there are, there are border controls again. Uh, so there is a definite truth here, and especially with Italy and Spain, how they were treated by the EU. So there is a definite fissure, there is a definite chasm going on, there is a definite division going on in the EU. But at the same time, uh, look at China, right? And um, right now, it's not not sure about whether it's going to end globalism, because China has global, you know, they want to basically operate globally, so I wouldn't really rule out China just yet in this case. But in terms of EU, yes, there is a definite division here, and um, and it can lead to some sort of division, some sort of fissure, some sort of chasm. Uh, but right now it's unclear because we are still frozen. Everyone is frozen, right? But when, once this passes at some point, that's when you're going to see some sort of upheaval, probably social upheaval, upset, etc. That's usually what happens after... Well, it's an unprecedented crisis, but especially because it's an unprecedented crisis, right? You're going to see some sort of um, social, um, definitely a major change in terms of how societies operates here in the EU. There is no doubt about it. Whether it's going to end the EU, well, no one can really tell, but there is a definite chance that the EU is going to divide somehow, and it's going to cause you know, some major, major shifts in the structure itself, in the block itself, definitely. Overall, Adam, would you say that uh, post-virus, uh, the post-virus world, you're 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 optimistic or pessimistic about it? Well, I'd say right now it's hard to tell whether I'd say somewhere in between. I'd say depending on who you ask, it's a very very complex question, right? Because there are so many variables to consider here. I'd say there are reasons to be optimistic, but mostly we got to remain vigilant and cautious i'd say i'm cautious i'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic i'm cautious and i'm observing the situation because it's changing so fast and depending on the origin of this virus and if there is some sort of an agenda or not that would determine where this is going to go what 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 is happening now there is a definite change right and this is an opportunity uh, on some level but it's it's very, I'd say it's a dangerous time, no doubt about it. Because, you know, I'd say that dismissing this virus is dangerous, right? Because we are not sure if it, it's a good idea to just dismiss it. Uh, so right now, let's see what happens when this lockdown, lockdown ends. What I think is going to happen on some level, you're going to have massive, you know, of course, unemployment, obviously, but some social change. But you have cults as well, and cults often emerge in times like this. When, when this is going to pass, I'm pretty sure you're going to see many cults trying to explain what happened, and many people are going to be lost, you know, completely uh, disoriented psychologically, and I'm pretty sure that's the direction. You might even see some new movements like religious movements, etc. So there is a lot of change coming, but it's a big question mark at this point, what, what's really going to materialize. We, we can't really determine this with, with certainty. 
Adam, uh, I would imagine that you'll be writing more pieces along this line for the Korea Times? Yes. Right now I'm thinking about writing about elections here in Poland because there is a big debate here because on May 10th, May 10th uh, there are presidential elections here. And of course, as you know, it's a pretty tricky situation given the situation here. And uh, what's uh, interesting, as if, I guess, in a way, funny, is that, you know, in Polish, the word um, uh, ballot box, right, where you vote is urna, right? It's urn, where you put in, you know, ashes. Oh, dear. So it's, you know, when, when someone says, like the president here, uh, I invite you to urns, well, it sounds pretty grim, right? It sounds pretty absurd. So, yeah, the situation is really, really tricky here, and uh, I want to write something about it, especially in, in terms of what's happening somewhere else, like in South Korea, with elections, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, it's, uh, because if this, uh, if this virus really is, let's say, maybe not benign, but not really that terrible, then we're going to see it here in this country after the, uh, you know, in May, right, after the elections. And if it's not that benign, if it's not that harmless or not that or not, not a nothing burger, as some would say, if it's actually there, then we're going to see the results here. Because as far as I can tell, the elections are going to happen in this country. And of course, a lot of people are saying that's absurd, that's insane, but it's going to happen anyway. So I, I think I'm going to write about that for now. Adam, if people want to uh, read your, your columns or, or stay in touch, how do they do that? Uh, well, there, there is an, a link, I guess, that will be uh, uh, in the biography, right? The, the small part, so they the, can read my articles. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, they can access that. There is my email there. If someone is interested, they can always email me. There, there are always, uh, you know, there is my email right underneath, on, under the uh, article. There are forty-two articles, so I think that people can find some, some of them interesting. And of course, I'm going to continue, you know, writing more and more. Some whatever is happening around the planet, whatever I think um, is merits some sort of mention. Uh, I always write about it. Something, you know, something that wasn't mentioned before. You know, not, you know, not to be uh, the same person, you know, trying to repeat what someone else had already mentioned, right? So I want to be um, add something else, right? So so people can think about it and some thought-provoking stuff, basically. Yeah. Right. And all those links to the articles, the email, those are all in the episode notes for this podcast, folks. Yeah, yeah. so if anyone's interested, feel free to uh, message me. Adam, you are. You're an original thinker and you're a thoughtful writer and it was great meeting you. Thank you, sir, and thank you for having me. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a moment to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. Since the mighty Aphrodite and I have been taking ESS-60, the purest form of carbon-60, we're thrilled to tell you we're both sleeping well and pain-free. ESS-60 is raw carbon-60 that's been produced, certified, and guaranteed for safer human consumption. C-60 is a mega antioxidant and is known to have 172 times the antioxidant power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS-60 is the carbon-60 formulation used in the 2012 original Paris study that showed ESS-60 doubled the lifespan of rats. That's right, doubled their lifespan. I'm so proud to be associated with my good friends at c60evo.com. Their scientists invented the only reactor machine of its kind to produce carbon-60 back in 1991. They've been a top producer and distributor of C60 worldwide ever since, and the demand has been astounding. ESS60 from c60evo.com 
is available in 4, 8, 16, and 32-ounce bottles. Choose from single bottles, monthly subscriptions, or cases of 12 bottles. ESS 60, the purest form of Carbon 60 available. Get yours at c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. Use the promo code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC, to get 5% off. ESS60 from C60Evo.com. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited. A medical doctor from Houston, Texas, explains why it's time to end the quarantine and get back to work. Now, here in the United States, they destroy huge amount of jobs. We're talking about upwards of 32% of the people may go unemployed if the Federal Reserve projections are right. That's a lot of people, and guess what? That causes huge unintended consequences. So the government, in trying to protect some people from getting the virus, has endangered millions of others with terrible public health and economic consequences. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>